you never know what you're going to get when you uh, uh, try and do a children's sermon and you ask kids a question. You never know exactly what you're going to get back. And I've learned just never get ask a question you don't already know the answer to. Um, the story about a pastor that was doing a children's sermon uh, on Easter Sunday. And he had all these uh, tiny little kids at his feet. And he asked them, uh, what is Easter all about? And uh, one little kid raised his hand and said, um, Easter is where um, you, uh, you're supposed to wear green. And, um, and if you don't wear green, you're going to get pinched. And, uh, and the preacher said, no, no, no. Another little kid ra- raises his hand. Easter, um, that's the one where uh, you, you um, make hearts and everyone gets candy and you give cards to people you love. And the preacher says, no, 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 no. And then finally, one little boy, probably the, the pastor's kid, raises his hand and says, I know what Easter's about. And he says, see, there was this man named Jesus. And the pastor's starting to feel real good about this. There's this man named Jesus, and he loved everybody. And uh, he did nothing but show love to people, and, uh, but, but people didn't love him. And, uh, and, and then the pastor's saying, yeah, what happened next? What happened next? says, well, um, they put Jesus on a cross, and they nailed him there, and he died. And the, and the pastor's nodding his head, and he says... And then, but he didn't stay dead. You see, three days later, Jesus rose from his tomb. And the pastor's nodding his head. He's excited. And the little boy says, and Jesus rose from his tomb. And then he saw his shadow and there were six more weeks of winter. (laughs) So close, right? (laughs) Right up until the very end. You know, when you're telling a story, like the gospel or any story, really, it's important to stick the landing, right? It's important to get that ending right. If you're telling a joke, right, and you go through this whole thing and then you forget the punchline, right, it really ruins the joke. You've got to stick the landing. And, uh, and, and when, when, when a story doesn't quite stick the landing for us, we kind of get agitated a little bit, don't we? I remember um, when I was in college, I went with some friends to the drive-in movies. And it was kind of one of those uh, like, like, like throwback retro kind of things. We're going to go to the drive-in movies. And that night, um, they were showing Terminator was like the main thing. And like, how cool would it be to see Terminator at the drive-in movie? Um, and, but, the, but it was a double feature. And the first movie was... Charlie's Angels 2 Full Throttle. And the only reason I remember this is because what happened at this movie. I was not engaged in this movie at all, right? I was there for Terminator. And, um, uh, but at the very end of the movie, um, uh, Lucy Liu and Drew Barrymore and Cameron Diaz are on the top of this building, and they're confronting the bad guy on the top of this skyscraper, and... Um, the, the bad guy shoots Cameron Diaz and she falls to the ground. And that is the exact moment when she fell to the ground that the projector breaks down. And so to this day, 
I have no idea what happens next. And it bothers me. Not enough to sift through Charlie's Angels 2 full throttle and find out what happens, but it still bothers me. Sometimes I'll be doing my chores and I'll just like, what happened at the end of that movie? I have some guesses. She probably had a bulletproof vest or, um, or maybe it was like a decoy and she pulls off like a rubber mask and it's really like a dude or something. I don't know. But, uh, but just really uh, want to know. It kind of agitates you when, you when you have all this buildup, but you don't quite have the conclusion to the story. That's why when you watch Netflix, you always have to watch that one other episode, right? Because they're really good on those shows of like, like in the last five minutes, there's going to be some kind of twist. And you're like, I have to know what happens next. I have to have closure with this before I can go to sleep. And so you watch another episode. And then another episode, and then another episode. And then, uh, you know, it's like 2 a.m. on Saturday night, and you've got to preach the next morning. Not that that's ever happened to me, but uh, we have to have closure. The brain needs closure. We need that sense of relief from the tension, that sense of satisfaction. I bring this up because we've been on this uh, journey um, since since Christmas, we've been reading the Gospel of Mark. And now, finally, finally, we're going to have that closure. We're going to have all the tension released. If you were here on Good Friday, you know, um, uh, Peter um, had denied his Lord three times. We've got to find out what happens to Peter. We've got to find out whether the disciples that ran away, uh, whether they're going to get their boldness back. We've got to find out what happens with Jesus, right? We need all of this closure from the ending of Mark's gospel. So we're going to read it right now. It's uh, Mark, the, uh, the 16th chapter, verses 1 through 8. Here now the word of our Lord. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. If we're going to be real honest, that ending wasn't that satisfying. Right? It ends basically um, uh, this, uh, this, this man clothed in white. Mark doesn't really tell us who he is. Maybe he's an angel. 
Other gospels say he's an angel. But uh, we've got this man clothed in white. He says, Jesus isn't here. Uh, he's gone to Galilee. Go find him there. And then all, uh, all the women run away scared. And they don't say anything to anybody. The end. Right? That's like Cameron Diaz falling on the top of the building. I got to know what happens next. Right? What happens when they get there? What do they see when they get to Galilee? What about Peter? Is he going to be forgiven? All this stuff. We've got all these loose threads and they're not tied up. It's an unfinished gospel when you look at it. Now, uh, if, if, if you look at your, uh, at your Bible, you might have this note right after verse 8 that says this. It's in brackets. The earliest manuscripts and some of their ancient witnesses do not have verses 9 through 20. Here's what that means. For the first 200 years, the Gospel of Mark ended just the way I read it. And people decided, that's not a very good ending. <laughs> this, this just isn't very, it just doesn't feel finished. It doesn't give us the closure we need. And so sometime in the second century, someone wrote another ending. And so um, uh, the manuscripts we have after the second ending um, have, this, uh, have this additional ending. Um, but, uh, but all the manuscripts before the second century end just the way I read it to you. See, they, they, they just didn't like the ending. It just didn't satisfy them. It just didn't give them the closure they needed. They needed it all wrapped up. And instead they had this unfinished gospel. Um, Mark was the first gospel written. Then Matthew and Luke wrote their gospels. And scholars tell us they probably had Mark to look at when they were writing their gospels. And, uh, and, and, and they weren't satisfied with Mark's ending either. And so uh, they decided to go ahead and tell um, all the stories from the eyewitnesses who had, who had encountered Jesus and had experienced the risen Christ. And they went ahead and wrote about um, the Great Commission and all these things that happened afterwards because the ending was lacking. Luke writes a whole other book to tell what happens next. A whole sequel. It's called the Book of Acts. You should read it sometime. It's great. But they were unsatisfied with this ending, with this unfinished gospel. Modern scholars are puzzled about it too, right? They have different theories for why the gospel of Mark ends the way it does. Some say, well, the original ending must be lost, right? Um, maybe, uh, maybe there was a fire or a page fell out or something. It was lost, or like the more conspiracy-minded say, well, maybe it was suppressed. <laughs> maybe there was like some secret information in that, in that uh, missing ending. But I think, I believe Mark gave us exactly the ending he wanted to have. See, this gospel is unfinished for a reason. If you finish the story... If you give everyone the closure they need, then you can go home and think about something else, right? You're done with Charlie's Angels too. You never have to think about it again. But if you leave that ending hanging, 
it gnaws on you. It stays with you. And Mark is a master storyteller. He knows what he's doing, right? See, this gospel is unfinished for a reason. Because you and I, church, we're the ones who are supposed to finish it. It's our job to finish this gospel. And so we're left with these questions like, um, you know, uh, who goes and tells the disciple? Who tells the people that Jesus is risen, right? Because at the very end of the gospel, um, it says the, the women fled from the tomb and they didn't say anything to anybody. In the Greek, I love this. It says they didn't say nothing to nobody, right? It's a double negative. They didn't say nothing to nobody, right? Um, that, uh, and so we're left with this question. How did the word get out? Who told the people, right? And so it gnaws on us. We've got to carry it with us. It's unfinished. In church, maybe that's because we're the ones that are supposed to go and tell the people, right? Everyone's fled the tomb, but you just heard the good news. You just heard the gospel. You go finish it. You go tell people, right? You go tell people that Jesus is risen so that they will know. And so we carry this unfinished gospel with us because it's not finished until we go tell people. There's a, a, a small um, cathedral in France um, that uh, during World War II um, was, was almost decimated in, in, in a bombing raid. And they had this statue of Jesus there. And um, the statue of Jesus uh, was... was was, uh, was, was broken during uh, the bombing raid. And so the people of the village sifted through the rubble and they got all the pieces they could and they reassembled the statue and they had everything but the hands. And so uh, Jesus is, is in the statue form, is, 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 has his arms spread and he doesn't have these hands. And so at first they like invited all of these different sculptors to try and, uh, try and fix the hands, but no one could get it quite right. It just never looked the way it did before. So you know what they finally did? They uh, put a plaque at the base of the statue and it read, Christ has no hands but your hands. Christ has no hands but your hands. In other words, it is up to you and I to do Jesus' work in the world. It is up to you and I to finish the gospel. It's up to you and I to tell people. It's up to you and I, when we see our neighbor in need, to step in. Because that's what Christ would have us do. Christ desperately wants to lay a hand, a healing hand, on those people. And you can't do it without your hands. You can't go there without your feet. Because we, church, are the body of Christ. We complete the gospel. We finish the gospel when we reach out to people in need, when we tell people the good news, when we be the church. The other question we're left with at the end of this gospel is, is, uh, is, is, what happens when they get to Galilee? What happens when they encounter Jesus? Does Jesus forgive Peter? 
Do they, do they suddenly get their boldness? Do, do they become a church? What happens when they get there? Right? What happens when they encounter Jesus? And see, it sticks with us. We don't have the answer. And so it gnaws on us just a little bit. The gospel of what happens when you encounter Jesus is not finished. It's not complete until you encounter Jesus. Until you encounter the living Christ. When you have that personal encounter with Jesus, then the gospel is finished in you. The good news is finished in you. There's a, I love this. There's this Eastern legend about uh, Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus? He was a wee little man. A wee little man was he, right? Um, there's, this, uh, there's this story about him that late in life, um, he would always, every day, um, after dinner, he would go for a walk. And his wife never knew where he was going. And uh, he, would, he would go for this walk every day after dinner. And one day, she just followed him. She followed him, and uh, he went into the middle of town, and, and, and he got to this old sycamore tree. And he would water the sycamore tree. Uh, he would pick, pick any weeds around it. He would make sure that, uh, that, that everything uh, was kept neat and tidy around the sycamore tree. And, and Zacchaeus' wife says to him, you know, uh, do you do this every day? He says, yes, yes, I do this every day. She says, why? And Zacchaeus points to this tree and he says, because this tree is where my soul first fell in love with Jesus. Where my soul first fell in love with Jesus. I wonder where your soul first fell in love with Jesus. Maybe for some of you, it was right here in this room. Someone touched your heart, said something that touched your heart in such a way, and you encountered Christ there, and you were never the same after that. Maybe it was a a childhood church that you went to when you were a little boy or a little girl. Um, I know for uh, for many kids in my youth group, it's uh, it's, it's resurrection uh, in Pigeon Forge. Um, for others, it's uh, it's this cross by the river at Camp Dickinson. And so, like like Zacchaeus watering that tree, um, those kids they get older and they keep going back to Camp Dickinson and they serve as counselors because that's where their heart, their soul, first fell in love with Jesus. See, an encounter with Jesus leaves us transformed. For Zacchaeus, it meant, I'm not a tax collector anymore. I'm not cheating my fellow countrymen anymore. I'm finding an honest line of work. I'm going to be different, right? And he keeps going back to that place where his soul first fell in love with Jesus. And so for us, for us, we have to continually go back to that place in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirit, where we first fell in love with Jesus, where we first encountered Jesus and encounter him all over again because that is what finishes the gospel for us. Let me show you something. I think it's really cool. Um, So I told you all way back 
in December. We read the first, uh, the first couple of verses of the Gospel of Mark. This is chapter 1, verse 1. And I told you all, when you're looking at the, the first couple of verses of any book, that's the title, right? These original manuscripts didn't have the gospel according to Mark, right? The first couple of lines, that's the title. The first chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Most of us read that and we're thinking, once upon a time, right? This is the beginning, the beginning of the good news. And then it starts with John the Baptist, right? That's the beginning. But this is the title, the whole gospel. Chapters 1 through 16, the whole gospel is the beginning of the good news. Are you following me? The whole uh, uh, Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, that is the beginning of the good news. That's where it starts. And then you and I, church, we take the story and we run with it. We take the story and we're meant to finish it. The Gospel of Mark is the beginning. That's why it doesn't have an ending, right? Because, because it's not over yet. It's not over until you take the baton and you run with it. This is the beginning of the good news. Jesus is just getting started at the end of the Gospel of Mark because he hasn't got a hold of you yet. He hasn't got a hold of me yet. He's just getting started. This is just the beginning of the good news. See, it's Easter Sunday. Peter, is a, he's sitting alone in his room. He doesn't even want to go out and, and look the other disciples in the eyes, right? Because he knows what he did. He knows he looked at his Savior, his Lord, his best friend. He looked him in the eyes and said, I, I, will, I, will, I will follow you to death. And then he had the opportunity. And he denied his Lord three times. And now he carries around that guilt. And he can't look anyone in the eyes. And so he's just sitting alone in his room, stewing. It's Easter Sunday. The tomb is empty. Christ is risen. But that is just the beginning of the good news. Because on the other side of that, there's forgiveness. There's restoration. Peter can finally find the boldness to preach. He can finally find a boldness to follow his Savior to death. And he can do it because he lives. See, it's Easter Sunday, and, and James and John are in their room, and they're usually arguing, right? They're always arguing. They're always, they're brothers. They're trying to one-up each other. Their argument right up until Jesus died was, so uh, when Jesus comes into his kingdom, who's going to be his right-hand man? Who's going to say it's right? Right? And now they can't even find the strength to argue. Because they feel so humbled. They feel the weight of their sin and the weight of their shortcoming. Because in the end, when Jesus was raised high on the cross, it wasn't James or John singing that Jesus left. And it's right, it was two thieves. And they know it. They weren't there when Jesus needed them. See, the tomb is empty. 
Christ is risen, but it's just the beginning of the good news. Because, because there's, there's holiness waiting for them on the other side of that. They can finally become who Jesus sees in them. They can finally become who they're meant to be, and they can do it because he lives. See, Thomas, it's Sunday morning, and Thomas is, is, is singing alone in his room too. See, Thomas was a zealot. And zealots, like their whole lives, they lived for one thing. They lived to see the Messiah march into Jerusalem, kick the Romans out, raise their swords, and sit down on the throne of David. And he thought he had backed the right horse. He thought Jesus was going to go in there. He was going to uh, kick butt and take names, and uh, he was going to sit on David's throne. He believed this with every fiber in his being. And now Thomas doesn't know what to believe. His faith is completely shattered. But the tomb is empty. Christ is risen. And that's just the beginning of the good news. Because on the other side of that, Thomas is going to, he's going to feel the wounds of Christ. He's going to place his hand in the womb and he's going to be transformed and he's going to find a lasting faith. On the other side of town, there's this, uh, there's this Pharisee. And this Pharisee is sitting there and his heart is filled with anger. He's still thinking about that Jesus and all of his followers and all the ways that they blaspheme. And he's so angry. And because of his anger, he just feels so far away from God. And usually he writes. He writes all the time, but he's just sitting at his desk and he can't make the words come out. See, the tomb is empty. Christ is risen. And that's just the beginning of the good news. Because this Pharisee, he's going to be blinded on the, on the road to Damascus. His life is going to be turned around. And instead of anger, he's going to experience love. And he's going to write, and he's going to write, and he's going to write like he's running out of time. Right? He's going to write, I am convinced that neither angels nor demons, neither past nor present nor future, neither height nor depth, nor powers, nor anything, and all of creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he's going to do it because he lives. And for us, this morning, it's Easter morning. And if like Peter, we're, we're uh, carrying around guilt, if we're like James and John, we're carrying around our, uh, our shortcomings, and our feelings of inadequacy, if like, uh, if like Thomas, we're, we're carrying around our doubts and our unbelief, if like a Pharisee named Saul, we're carrying around this hatred and anger, the tomb is empty. Christ is risen, and this can be, be, can be the beginning of the good news for you. That Jesus is risen. 
that you can find love instead of anger. You can find uh, love instead of hate. You can find holiness instead of brokenness. You can find forgiveness instead of guilt on the other side of the gospel. This is the beginning of the good news, the beginning of the gospel, and it's up to you to finish it. So there's uh, this poem I love uh, from Walt Whitman. It's called O Me, O Life. And in this poem, he talks about all the problems with modern society. And he, he says, what good amid these, O Me, O Life? And then at the very end of the poem, here's the answer he gives. That life exists in identity. That you are here. That the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. See, the gospel goes on for us, church, and we each get to contribute a verse. The gospel is incomplete. It's unfinished, and you and I get to finish it in our lives and in our hearts this morning. So, it's up for us to decide. What will our ending be? Each of us brings here this morning half the story. Each of us brings here this morning an unfinished gospel. And we get to decide what the ending will be. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now join me in singing our final hymn. Number 364, Because He Lives. Stand with me. <laughs>